Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Brett Wetzel, who's Senior Director of Applied Knowledge at Breakthrough. And today we're going to talk about unlocking your sustainable future with scope three transportation emissions. Now, uh, you know, though companies are dealing and focusing on uh, a lot of supply chain and transportation related challenges today, whether it's, you know, port congestion or tight capacity in the trucking market, many companies still remain focused on corporate sustainability uh, initiatives. And one area that requires, you know, more attention is scope three emissions. You know, what are scope three emissions? Um, how can, you know, how do you go about setting targets for their reduction? And what actions are companies taking to reduce their scope three emissions, particularly in transportation? Well, those are the main questions we're going to, you know, discuss in today's episode. And it's great to welcome Brett back to the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So Brett, welcome back. Thanks, Adrian. Really excited for the conversation and uh, definitely love the first one and um, always get excited about talking about the emissions and specifically in the logistics sector. Well, great. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, you were on the program in April. Um, it seemed like just yesterday. Uh, so obviously a lot has changed between April and, and today, particularly in, in supply chain logistics and, and, and transportation. Um, but even underneath all that craziness that's happening right now, um, you know, corporate sustainability remains something that companies continue to talk about. Um, I was just at a conference, my first in-person conference uh, earlier this year, and that was one of the main sessions uh, was around sustainability. So, um, you know, it's certainly something that, you know, companies aren't ignoring. Um, you know, it's something that they continue to you know, try to make forward progress on um, despite everything else going on. Um, and, and the last time you were on the program, you, you know, you briefly talked about, you know, the differences between scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, but they want to focus just on the scope three, you know, emissions. So maybe as a way to get started and maybe refresh people's memories, I mean, what are scope three uh, emissions and, and how do supply chain transportation, transportation activities contribute to them? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that I think, you know, you talked about so many things changing in 2021. It has been amazing to see commitments coming forth. Um, and it really has been across all scopes of emissions. And scope three was one that probably didn't get a lot of attention in the past, but we're seeing it now. And scope three is those are those indirect emissions. So it's been really hard to tackle them because it's not at your facility. It's not the electricity or the purchase electricity into it. It's everything that's indirect and it includes actually 15 categories. So you can imagine that adds up very, very quickly. Um, and those categories are really revolving around things like your vendors and also your customers or, you know, your end customers could even be down to the individuals using it. So it starts with purchased goods that you have to make your products, goes into even things like employee commuting and business travel. And at the far end of it, um, there's the use of your products that you have but also the way that they're disposed of or the end of life treatment. So we're talking about a lot of pieces, but I think what's most fascinating is transportation and distribution actually shows up in a lot of areas. There's an upstream component kind of coming to your facilities. There's the downstream component, and there's actually even transportation in scope one, if you own a private fleet. So it continues, you know, even though there's so many other categories, I would say transportation pops up more than any of the other ones when we're looking at what's in scope three and what's in the scopes overall. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I, I mean, I had no idea there were like 15 different categories, that, oh, yeah. you know, you know, into them, but, you know, it kind of makes sense. I mean, because when you talk about all this indirect um, areas, I mean, there's so much that's outside your, 
you know, direct control, you know, yep. everything that's happening at the supplier end of things and everything that's happening at, ultimately at the consumer or the customer end of things and, and trying to account for all of that. I mean, so, so when you look at a, a company's total greenhouse gas emissions, I mean, what, what percent typically come from scope three, you know, emissions and, and are companies even able to measure and capture this uh, that, you know, today? That is the all important question right now. And it's, it's really, um, something that we're starting to take a really big look at. And a lot of our companies are too, because this might be a surprising statistic for people that aren't so familiar. But when we looked across all the companies we work with, scope three actually usually averages about 90% of the total emissions. And that's a, even when we did the work, I'm like, that is bigger than I even thought it was. But it is all of those indirect things. Um, in transportation specifically, what we oftentimes find in you know, we're mostly dealing with manufacturers and retailers, but almost um, almost consistently across the board, it's between 10 and 15 percent that's attributed to the transportation piece. And, you know, I said there's 15 different categories and there's also a scope one and scope two. That transportation piece is usually a top three when you think about all the scopes and categories. So super interesting because, you know, companies may be doing a bunch of different things, but we consistently see transportation as one of those top emitting sources, whether it's private fleet or we see a lot more of that in the scope three with four higher carriers and, and having to use other partners to move your goods. Well, you know, I, I didn't think that it would, well, it kind of makes sense that it would be kind of a high number, but 90% sounds, you know, uh, you know, large. And, you know, it just goes to show you, I mean, there, there's, I mean, you would think that, you know, there's so much work and effort going uh, around the things that you can control, you have direct control over, and that's important. Yep. But, you know, that, it suggests that that's only 10, 10% of kind of the, oh, yeah. the whole, the whole footprint. It's that other 90% that uh, it's probably difficult, you know, more difficult to tackle. And, you know, I think, um, you know, obviously it's because it's outside your direct control, that's where you require collaboration and partnership and the sharing of data and information across the different partners to truly, number one, get a baseline and understand where you're at. And number two, to actually coordinate activities to help reduce it, right? Yeah. And you and you asked, hey, are people able to capture these things today? It definitely has to do with trying to find partners and honestly working with your vendors. I would say for most of the companies that we see, especially the larger ones, they are currently trying to capture all of those scope three emissions, but it, it varies extremely, um, even when we're looking at companies doing the same things. Sometimes they might not fully be able to capture their upstream or their downstream or the proportions can vary quite a bit. And I think the biggest challenge, if we actually put on a sustainability professional hat, is you have to try to get your arms around 15 categories in scope three. So chances are there's a lot of companies that just have to find a default or an average number to use. And you're really just hoping you're capturing all those activities because the large companies may have different types of systems. They may have way more types of modes or geographies. So it's definitely a journey right now. And the one that when we work with companies, the biggest part is let's get our arms around what's there today, but let's also understand the components of it. So whether it's the efficiencies or the emissions factors, it's really about if we can get to components now, then you can have a better way to improve it when you see, okay, so what isn't working in there versus I think a lot of times, you know, the best that companies have been able to do as of late is just try to get a size of what they're doing and maybe apply a really general factor that you can't really explain very well. Yeah. I mean, I think when we talked about it a little bit in the, in the last episode, you know, I think one of the, uh, the prerequisites or one of the things that's still a work in progress 
to help with this effort is kind of standards, right? You know, to, yes. to have everyone <laughs> kind of be measuring the same thing in the same way or, or, or account for it in the same way. Uh, yep. so, so I think that's an important, you know, dimension to it. Um, but, you know, established, like you, you mentioned, there's a lot of work involved here just to, to get to that baseline, right? To, to, to see yep. where you're at today. But then setting a target for reduction is, is another, you know, you know, how do you go, you know, what should the right target be? Should we try to reduce it by 10%, 15%, 30% by white time frame? So how can companies establish a target for greenhouse gas emissions, particularly in, in transportation? Is there a process for that? Yeah, it's a it's um, one that I'm happy to say there's been a lot, there's a lot of attention just based on the, you know, how to calculate it. And I think one of the biggest um, organizations that we see out there or initiatives that we see is what's called the Science-Based Target Initiative or the SBTI. And they actually give really good guidance. And it's a bit of a process, but to understand, you know, how should we be bringing these in? What do we need to account for? And I think what's really interesting when we talk about scope three is their guidance is if scope three is 40% or more of your total emissions, then it needs to be included in a target. And, you know, I don't know that we've come across any clients that have had less than 40%. So it definitely does put it out there as this is something that needs to be accounted for and have a goal set towards it. And then through um, Science-Based Targets Initiative, it's actually aligned to some of the, uh, the fundamentals of the Paris Climate Accord. So we're seeing then guidance as far as how far should we go with cuts um, or with emissions reductions. And it could be scope one and two separate, and then scope three has its own goal, or it could be all together. But most times it really has turned sustainability um, into a different focus because it is now a longer term ambition. A lot of companies are usually on the 10 year horizon. So goals for 2030, and it's less of the prescriptives to start without knowing where you're going. It's more knowing where you want to go. And it's going to be a challenge, like the challenge is how to get there. But so 2030 is usually what we see um, as the standard for when people are setting targets. And we've seen those range from, you know, 25, 30, up to 50% reductions, which is really significant when you think across all scope threes. And there are even some of those on the leading edge that are hoping to get farther faster. Um, so you'll see a lot of other certifying bodies, a lot of initiatives out there. But I think Science-Based Targets Initiative for us is the one that we see really companies flocking towards. And, you know, when we talked in April, I could not have imagined how much growth there has been, even in just companies setting targets or at least committing to it. I think it's nearly 2000 companies. That's almost doubled in the last year. And this Science-Based Targets Initiative has been around for over five years. So you're seeing um, like this near exponential growth in companies starting to sign on to it. So it's, it's really important at a corporate level with companies signing up. Yeah, no, that's great. I hadn't heard of uh, uh, the science-based uh, you know, target initiative. Uh, so, so it's something I, I would need to you know, look more into, but it sounds like there is, again, an organization, there is a, a, a methodology or a process you know, to go about you know, to, to, to doing this. I mean, I think that the challenge is, as you said, you know, there's, there's the target setting and then it's understanding, okay, you know, I mean, you wanna, you wanna set a target perhaps that's, um, that's realistic and achievable versus one that's you know purely aspirational, but you you have no way of getting there within the you know the time frame. So I think that that's always the you know uh, the, the balancing act you want to try to you know you, you try to do there. But you know once you set that target, then you've got to take some actions or start figuring out okay where can we start taking some actions to um, you know start reaching that goal. I mean well, what 
what are some of the actions that companies that you're seeing, you know, taking to reduce their scope three emissions from, from transportation? Yeah, there's, there's a wide range. Um, but the good news is um, we do start to see some real common themes in there. Um, some of it honestly starts with things that maybe um, with sustainability coming up as a new pillar of consideration for transportation, um, it puts a new lens into how decisions are made. So things like freight consolidation or improving load fill. Those are things that have been considered in the past, but they have a different lens when you think about um, the sustainability side. I think decisions that we see probably take on an, a new lens now are things like intermodal conversion and even down to the carrier partners you work with. Um, because I think what's been really interesting while shippers have been flocking towards setting commitments, um, carriers are actually starting to set their own climate ambitions. So there's starting to be a common language there. And actually, as of April of this last year, all the major class one railways are all signed up on science-based targets initiative too. So there's this idea of, you know, the collaboration that can exist when you're working with carrier partners and how their efficiencies can be brought in because every, your scope three emissions as a, as a shipper are either the scope one or scope three emissions of the carrier. So it's that, it's that collaborative piece that works. Um, and I think the other piece too that we see uh, with some options that work today, but what most people are excited about, and we do a, a good deal of time educating companies on this, are that idea, those ideas of energy choice. So things like biodiesel and renewable natural gas work today, but then what is the, you know, what is that plan forward for battery electric vehicles, hydrogen vehicles, or even new technologies like carbon capture? There's some options out there for that, or even autonomous vehicles could actually bring more efficiencies because they, you know, by delivering higher fuel efficiencies. So it's really a, what can we do today with the technologies and the energies we have, but when can we set up the right plans and in what parts of the country really does it make the most sense? So those are a lot of the targets that people are looking at. Um, and it's pretty steadfast across the board that some level of those are getting worked into those conversations. And that's where we think it's really important to know if you know the components of what drive your emissions, you can figure out where and what options work better. So it's not as much of a, you know, a shot in the dark to say, oh, I think I'll try this technology here. It's more so looking at the data and saying, hey, this is where I'm challenged and where I can get the biggest bang for my buck. Yeah, good, good point. You said, you know, I, I know we talked about in the last episode, you know, looking at the data. I mean, I think that's where, you know, a key component of this is really to understand, you know, your network, your operations as detailed as possible and, yep. and uncovering those opportunities. Um, you know, based on actual real, real data that you have versus, you know, just guesses or, or things of, of that nature. You know, right. like I mentioned in my opening comments, you know, right now there's, you know, a lot of discussion around, you know, supply chains and, you know, and this intricate system that we have and all the different parts of it, you know, basically are broken right now, right? Because yes. there's a lot of things that are uh, not synchronized, so on and so forth. You know, I think one of my takeaways is that, you know, as, as all the stakeholders in this industry kind of uh, look at, okay, what is it that we need to do moving forward to number one, not only um, heal the current system, but build up, you know, perhaps redesign current networks and, and current systems to prevent these types of, of, of disruptions and delays and so forth moving forward is to bring the sustainability component into that conversation and, you know, look at it through that lens as well. Not just from a, what historically has been and remain important, obviously cost and service and risk and things like that, but also have that sustainability component as part of the evaluation and the, the design consideration as well. 
Um, so, so as a way to wrap up and in line with that, I mean, how can transportation um, teams join that conversation, right? Be part of that conversation and help, you know, their organizations achieve, you know, quantifiable gains and with their sustainability objectives moving forward. Yeah, I think there's really two ways that we're seeing that come to life. And what I what I think we've noticed for sure is getting to know who the sustainability professionals are within your organization. Um, because otherwise, I think what we see a lot of is a shoulder tap comes eventually. Um, you know, and it's, you know, what are you doing or what will you do? But we're seeing a lot more organizations, even with sustainability professionals that have a specific role in procurement or in logistics. And it's all about being there at the start of it. Um, because I think the last thing anyone wants is one more objective put on them or one more thing that feels like it comes down on high. And it really is from a transportation perspective, it becomes that other consideration. So, you know, you might not be able to make every sustainable choice possible, but if you're measuring cost and service along with some of those sustainability pieces, that's where we're starting to see a lot of success. And it's also, you know, successful bringing transportation and sustainability together at the beginning and using that same set of data to see it through because sustainability professionals struggle with the acronyms that we have in transportation. And when you think about it from the transportation side, you know, there's sustainability hasn't been that objective. So the earlier that those teams come together, you start to be able to see, hey, there's some really big things we can do. Maybe some of them don't work now, but being able to have it as a two-way conversation versus all of a sudden having somebody say, well, here's all the things you have to do. We see it as that's the most successful way to go about it. And we're also working to try to say, you know, sustainability reporting is oftentimes an annual um, component. How do we bring that into a more regular cadence? Because if you make a decision based off of last year's data and you're already, let's say, you know, in October... Well, now you've had a whole year where things could have changed and like that measurement cycle and review cycle, trying to shorten that up is really what we're looking at too. And it's, it's about being on the same page and also trying to get a better idea as things are happening, what's working or maybe what are the unintended consequences? Yeah, some great points there. I mean, uh, you know, the last point you talked about making it more of an ongoing process, if you will, versus a once a year uh, process, I think is important. You know, we, we talk about the importance of real-time data, real-time visibility in other aspects of it. And I think it, it needs to become, you know, be true here as well. Uh, and I love the, you know, learning to speak each other's language. I mean, I've, I've often talked about, you know, how important it is for supply chain, logistics, transportation professionals to learn to speak the language of the CFO, right? To put what they do in the context of the PL and the balance sheet, because that's what the CFO understands. And vice versa for the CFO to understand the language of transportation and logistics so that they understand, you know, what some of the constraints might be or some of the industry factors that, that are impacting the PL are. And I think it's the same thing here as well, right? So having that transportation exactly. logistics supply chain executive know what scope three is and understand that language and that terminology from that's just, you know, folks that are in charge of sustainability use all the time. But it's also equally important for sustainability folks to understand transportation, understand the language as you as you said. Um, so that the two parties can, you know, collaborate and, and, you know, speak the same language, if, if you will, moving forward. Um, you know, Brett, I mean, we could easily talk for, for <laughs> two more hours um, and still only scratch the surface on, on this topic. So it's certainly a, a very meaty topic and something that's going to remain on, on, on the forefront, you know, for, for some time to come. So, um, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. I'm sure that we'll have another opportunity down the road to touch base again and see where the industry is at. Um, but again, thank you for making the time to share your insights and advice on this topic. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I'm looking forward to our next connection. 
Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Breakthrough website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Brett, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.